we just thank you. For you are the Alpha and the Omega. The first and the last. The beginning and the end. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. That you're always in control. You're sovereign over every situation, Lord. And you are not complacent. You're watching over your people. Not even a hair from our head falls without you knowing. Thank you, Father. This morning I come into church here, all around the world. Everyone, Lord, bow all brother Brad, Lord, into thy hands. Put a hedge, Lord, around your people. Protect your people, Lord. Empower your people. And even this morning, give us hearing ears, Lord. And through the days, the weeks, as your children tune in, hearing ears, O oh Lord. We just thank you, Lord. We just thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you. We thank you by faith, believing you're a God who hears and answers our prayers. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. So we go to Revelation chapter 1. And we read from verse 9 to 11. I join your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus. Was on the island of Paramos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. So in verse 9, we saw a one-line introduction of the vessel that God will use. The rest is about Jesus and the vision. Only one line he uses in the entire 22 chapters to introduce himself. This is who I am. And he gives the location to, he says, I was on the island of Patamos. And then he hears that these letters have to be sent to these seven churches. So uh, uh, can I have those two pictures, Sammy? Yeah. Yeah, that is Patamos. Okay, that's Patamos. A group of islands of which one is Patamos, a rocky island. Okay, that's Patamos. That's where he was exiled. And the other one, that is, you see that small one over there, Patamos, from there, that is the way these churches are. Ephesus, Sardis, Pergamum, Thyatira, Smyrna, Philadelphia, Laodicea. That's the way it goes. Okay, so that's where Patamos is, and that's from where the letter was. Sometimes, you know, the visuals transport us also to that place, and we say, okay, that was where he was, and that is where these letters were sent, okay? It's one of those small little, I think there are 56 or a group of islands, of which one is Paramos. Small little island, rocky island, was used by the Roman emperors to exile those people, and he too was exiled, and after, I don't know, a couple of years, he was released. So that's where we are, so please... 
understand why we why we study second timothy chapter 3:16 and 17 familiar passage all scripture not some all scripture is god breathed is useful for teaching rebuking correcting training in righteousness so that the man of god may be thoroughly equipped for every good work but also when we study scripture we also need to look at because uh, we can just casually read through scripture and what we call within code to do our devotions and <laughs> be actually devoted to nothing that to our reading but if you look at it you know if you like like if you look at the old testament there are 39 books divided broadly we will say history of god's people poetry and prophecy of which 17 books are prophecy minor and major five major and 12 minor with prophecy in the other books too so one third of the old testament is prophecy so you need to realize a focus there about the coming of the lord okay the focus on the other hand if you look at the first five books of the bible you have 50 chapters in the book of genesis and then if you go from exodus leviticus numbers and deuteronomy you have 137 chapters okay so you have first five books 50 chapters in genesis 137 in the next four books but this 50 chapters is 2000 years of human history from creation onwards the next four books is only 120 years of history so you need to realize the focus is changing and this 120 begins with the birth of moses and ends with his death because there is one person and the history of god's people in 120 years he gives four books for 2000 years of human history he gives 50 chapters and one book so we need to realize what is god's focus the focus is what god is expecting from his people you are my people a holy nation and a kingdom of priests and therefore what does his expectation so you have four books about it in the same way in the new covenant we have 27 books five you would say has history okay the four gospels and acts even when you read the four gospels you will see much of the four gospels is given to the last days and hours of jesus teaching much of the four you don't have much of his history it's three and a half years of his life and the and in that three and a half years so much detail is given about his last days so you have five books of history 21 books of doctrine one book of prophecy so you need to see what is the focus the focus is 21 books of doctrine is given to us showing us how he expects god's people to live so that we are ready for the end okay see so we have to see the overall picture the old covenant the overall picture is preparing a people for the lord's coming the messiah they missed it completely totally missed it okay in the new covenant the entire focus is preparing a set of people for the lord's coming and the prophecy is given the one book of prophecy is basically given how to prepare because it's going to be terrible so the whole thing is how do we endure like you know how do you endure the only way you can endure is through enduring 
Okay, like yesterday, one of our kids, they were here, and also one of the kids had come. So I was telling that child, I don't want to mention, I can always mention, okay, one of our GSS kids, I said, I want you to be the first one among the GSS kids to do a PhD. Because you got that work ethics. You're a hard worker. Whenever I see you, you're always sitting and working. So that's one of the first things you need to do a PhD. If you really want to go academically higher, you need to endure. Okay? You need to endure. But I told her, you need to talk to Pastor Vijay because I did it in literature and our is different. We go shut ourselves in the library. But people who do in science shut themselves in the laboratory. Not lavatory, lab, okay? <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> so that's how it works. And this are outwardly it looks the same, but it is not the same. It is not the same. We shut ourselves in the library with books. They usually shut themselves in the lab with instruments and experiments and all. So it's not the same. So I said, you need to sometimes start preparing now. I said, no, you don't reach there in one day. You start preparing. now. You really want to do it? You start preparing now. So you're mentally prepared. And that's what God is also doing here. A lot of people, you see the whole Bible, even if you go back to our teachings from the beginning, we always have been preparing our people for the days when the famine will come, how to stand through it and all that. But people who did not take it seriously, when this sudden thing comes, they just fall apart. Fall apart simply because they are not able to handle the pressure. But God is a very faithful God. He doesn't throw anything on us just like that. He prepares us. He prepares. And even his disciples, he says, you know, he tells them in John 16, no, you will have. I have told you all these things in advance. And he tells in Mark, what I tell you, I tell everybody, watch and pray. These things cannot be stopped. It will come. It will come to pass. The only question is, will you be prepared when it comes? Will you be able to stand when it comes? You'll be able to stand. So endurance comes through enduring. Comes through enduring. We can, what do you endure? You endure seasons. Okay, like, you know, people have to be, like, like I said, the dream Joseph was given, the interpretation of the dream, the Pharaoh. Pharaoh is a, is a symbol of, a, of authority in, but he gives, he's given, uh, two dreams, but he's not able to understand it. So the interpretation comes from the man of God. And it is for all time. There are seasons in a human being's life. Okay, And during those good seasons, you should use your time to prepare for the bad seasons. That's the type. And a lot of that's what you always tell young kids, no? when you are young, focus. Don't get distracted. Because this is a good season. In your life, usually things are taken care for you. You don't have to run around for a lot of things. You have time on your hand. Focus. Equip yourself. Equip yourself. You know? Equip yourself. So that when that season comes, when that season comes, you are you are not caught by surprise because you have yourself prepared. No, like in the old days, you'd say you got a degree under your belt. Uh, no, okay. So now we have to turn around and look into our times and young people. Okay, that's a seasons in your life. Spiritually, also speaking, when you come to the Lord, those initial years are the, when you are most zealous. And most people waste their zeal. When you come, you're very, very zealous. And always he will tell you, 
Marriages which are built are solid are the marriages which worked on the first two years of their marriage. And the enemy knows it and that the first two years the couple are distracted or fighting. If you're distracted and fighting in the first two years of your marriage, you can be very sure the marriage will go through life on a very shaky foundation. And even in the kingdom of God, that is why the soldiers were given off for the first one year. Go home. Because this is the foundational period. So everywhere these pictures are given over there. Because you know what? God has spoken in every situation. The shaking will come. The question is, will you be able to endure? Okay, And not only endure, will you be able to stand there and be a witness? Stand there and be a witness. Because that's what's happening over here. So you have, you see, one man has come through. All the other apostles are dead. The original group, everybody is dead. One man alone, because it was prophetically told by Jesus, kind of, prophetically it looks that you will be there. But he has come through. There is a prophecy. On Saturday we had this question about, yeah, there is a prophecy. But the question is, will you work through it's a prophecy? It's not random. Okay, the only prophecies which when man has nothing to do is the first coming and the second coming of Jesus Christ. Whether you like it or not, he will come. But in the first coming, at least he needed some intervention from a human being. He needed one woman. The second coming, he doesn't need that also. Okay, but whenever there's a prophecy that is involved, there are conditions to be met. And that's where we need to realize, okay, here is a man and the Bible says, on the Lord's day, I was in the spirit. Okay? And that is the beginning of the revelation that is gonna come. Okay? It's, it's, he introduces himself in one, one line. Okay? And he says, uh, can I have it uh, in KJV also? Yeah, King James, well, that one ten. Okay? No. One ten. Yeah, one ten. Only one ten. Not one ten. Okay. You see, when NKTV comes, on the Lord's day, I was in the spirit. When KJV comes, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Okay. 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 I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Okay. Now, you need to understand... These are, why we are going slowly through the introduction is because these are all controversial words and statements which has created so much controversy within the church. Okay? Because there are different schools. Okay? I was in the spirit. Okay? If you go to Second Peter chapter 1, 20 and 21, we know in the beginning that this is the prophecy. Blessed is he who reads, who Hears and who keeps the words of this prophecy. Okay. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. Why? For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So it tells us how does prophecy come. Okay, prophecy come. Prophecy is not of human origin, though it may come through a human vessel. The origin is the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is the one who searches the heart of the Father. So actually it comes from the Father through the Holy Spirit and through man. 
So when Jesus humbles himself and becomes a man, after that he does it everything. He will seek the will of the Father through the Spirit and then receives it and will only speak through the Spirit. So he has given us a pattern. Okay, this is how prophecy comes. This is how prophecy comes. The author is the Holy Spirit. And when we look at patterns in the Bible, often, okay, it involves sometimes the physical transportation of the prophet or he has what we call an out-of-body experience where his spirit goes, okay? His spirit goes. If you turn with me to Ezekiel 8.3, Ezekiel 8.3, he stretched out the form of a hand and took me by the lock of my hair and the spirit lifted me up between earth and heaven and brought me in visions of God to Jerusalem, to the door of the north gate of the inner court. So you will see what is actually happening we do not know here. It says it was a form of a hand, okay? And then caught him by not my hair, like Joanne's hair and all, okay? So he seems to have a little longer hair. Picked him up over there and lifted him up, okay? Lock of my hair here. There is no lock, okay? <laughs> lock of my hair. And the spirit lifted me up between earth and heaven. So, okay? So, if you go to 11.24, okay? Then the Spirit took me up and brought me in a vision by the Spirit of God into Chaldea, to those. So it is where all the Spirit is taking him. You need to realize that is, that is, there is no time involved in this. Okay? There are other places also. We go to Daniel chapter 8, verse 2. I saw in the vision. And it so happened while I was looking that I was in Sushan, the citadel, which is in the province of Elam. And I saw, so here also he's seeing a vision actually in the spirit. So which way it is in the spirit, we do not know. There can be a physical transportation because we see Philip was taken by the spirit physically. The whole person was taken and after it is over, he's taken from that place and put. In Ezekiel's case, we do not know. But the best place to look is a new covenant, Second Corinthians chapter 12, 2 to 4. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body, I do not know, or whether out of the body, I do not know. So this is one of the best explanations of how you can have a spirit experience. It can be in the body or it can be out of the body. I do not know. God knows. Such a one was caught up to the third heaven. This is the first time we actually understand that there is a third heaven. It's a first, second and a third heaven. I know a man. Yeah. I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. How he was caught up into, like if you look at the early passage of Ezekiel, we are also not sure. Was he taken in the body or whether he was taken out of the body? Because of the lock of hair and all does not mean it is the body. Okay, the hand does not mean it is a hand, it is the form of a hand. Okay, so in the spiritual, there is almost a parallel picture of ourselves over there. Okay, so, okay, how he was caught up into paradise. So third heaven, paradise is now there and was heard inexpressible words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. If you come to Revelation 4, 2. Four times this is used in the book of Revelation. Immediately I was in the spirit. Okay, in 
He carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting. Okay. Now actually what is happening over here is a very stunning thing. If you look at Revelation 17, 3, what's happening is this is in the realm of time into the future to earth. So these are things which the human body or the soul cannot comprehend. So this is possible only in the spirit. If you go to verse 21 and verse 10. Yeah, Revelation 21, 10. He carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Now he's gone even more into the future. Now he's seeing the city Jerusalem descending from heaven to earth. So the spirit realm has no limitations. Has no limitations. Okay. So primarily there are only two realms. One is the material physical realm in which we live in and then there is the spiritual realm. In the spiritual realm, by inference, we assume there is a second heaven and a third heaven. The first being the earth, the not just the earth, the physical. And uh, how we explore the physical, material, natural realm is what we go to school and college for. That's how we experience. So you have the what and the why and the where and the when and all that. Okay. In the spiritual realm, there are two realms. One is God's, which is called the third heaven. And then there seems to be another one, which is called the, the demonic realm. In Hebrews 11.3, the Bible tells us, By faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made out of things which are visible. Okay, so the invisible is the actual, the unseen, unseen realm. Okay, now in the God's people, even though we live in the material realm, what happened to God's people in the is that we who lived in the material realm, when we believed in the work of Jesus Christ, which took place 2000 years ago in time and in the spirit. It didn't just take place in the time. If it only took place in time, it has no effect on us. It's by through the Spirit, He offered His blood as atonement and forever made us perfect to our being saved. So His atonement took place at three realms. It took place at the level of earth. It took place at the level of the second realm where it was captivity was taken captive. The powers of darkness were destroyed. It took place in the realm of the third heaven where the blood was put in the holy of holies. So his atonement took place in three realms. And in the process when we believed, we were spiritually speaking freed from the powers of darkness, that realm, and we were released into God's kingdom, the kingdom of light. So we now who live in the material realm has been born of the spirit. Now that we are born of the spirit, we are called to walk by faith. And walking by faith, as Galatians will say, is actually to live by the spirit. Galatians 5.25. Okay, 5.25. We live in the spirit. Let us also walk in the spirit. Okay, that's why we should not Look for the people of the world to understand us. 
They don't understand us. The only ones who will understand us are those, you see, the religion also has two, two sides, like we all are. We have a soul. The body is okay, just a shell. The body in itself is useless unless a soul is there. We have a soul and we have a spirit. Now we have two children sitting here, okay? Now, let us say, now they are listening very carefully. But you know, our minds, which is part of our soul, also can be transported from here. You can sit right here and think about something else. It is transportation, the mind. And you can sit here and think about something, what happened in our soul. Though the body is here, our soul was transported somewhere else. Huh? Yeah, and can be anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. But the problem with the soul is that the soul to be transported to any place, you need to have a, um, previous contact with it. Otherwise, you can't go there. Like, I can go to, I can go to Bhutan. Okay, I can go to Bhutan. But if I have to go to Tibet, I have to remember the pictures I have seen or what I have read. But Bhutan, it is much more clearer because I have been there. So the soul is always dependent upon something else. Okay, so, so we understand transportation because that's what happens in church. People are transported while the word is going on. <laughs> okay. okay, like, uh, no? Uh, two Sundays back, you know, I asked people, I'll tell you, every one of you, I said, all the young ones, I said, all of you, if you were to ask you, what do you remember about Pastor Vijay's sermon, you will say the lizard. You were all transported to the lizard. <laughs> Sometimes people forget the whole message and only remember the illustration. But the purpose of the illustration was so that we would understand the message better. Okay, so here you will see. So what happens is in religion, we have all religions, okay, in all religions, there is a soulish factor. The soulish factor is about the precepts about the religion. And most of the religious people are in it. But there are in every religion who goes into the spirit part, they get into occult. Okay, they get into the occult. Every religion there are, like even in Catholicism, Okay, if somebody is demon possessed, every priest won't come. There are priests who have been assigned to do that exorcism because they are into the occult realm. They go, have gone into that realm. Okay, so in every religion, Islam, Buddhism, which is interesting, Buddha, who never spoke primarily about God, as soon as Buddha was dead, it went into the occult. So you have tantric Buddhism. And all the images and the idols of all the other gods came back into Buddhism. So the other Buddhism cannot exist because it's just a soul issue with precepts. You need the power factor. That's why we call the power factor is witchcraft. So in every religion there is witchcraft. And they have out-of-body experience. So that's the dangerous part of this thing where the second heavens, the second realm has been duplicated by the enemy duplicated by the enemy. So it doesn't matter which religion you come from, he can create that for you, a parallel for you. That is where the, the deception, you need to realize, people are always interested in that factor. That's why astrology, uh, palmistry, all these people, no, the people actually go to them, actually go to them. These are the people to when they are in trouble, they go to them. So we have to understand why this is, because this is, this is true and also it is dangerous. Where we are called to walk by the spirit, that is where truth and liberty comes. 
on the other side, that is also the greatest deception comes. So when Jesus warns about deception, he says, be careful, be careful. They will come and say, here is Christ and that is Christ. He said, that's very careful, be very careful. But we cannot throw the baby with the bathwater. You cannot say, oh, there is so much deception, so I don't want to do anything. There are people, great people of God who said, I don't want anything of the spiritual gifts because there is deception in it. So I want to keep myself safe. But then like Derek Prince says, it's like a aeroplane with one wing or a bird with one wing. There is a fruit of the spirit and the gifts of the spirit that is balancing. Okay, you cannot discount one thing. You need to realize much of the discounting took place because, because, yeah, because of the abuse. Because of the abuse. So we need, because that one term, we need to understand what it means. Okay. So if you go to John chapter 4, 24, and then Ephesians 5, 18. God is spirit. Okay, emphatic statement, first thing. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. In Ephesians 5.18, do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the spirit. Okay, so when it says be filled with the spirit, the initiative is with man. Initiative is man, it's not with God. Initiative is with man. So the old covenant picture was Ezekiel's vision of the river and the man walking in the river. And when he comes to a certain point, he realizes he's, he's no longer in control and then he comes back to the bank. Okay. In the new covenant, we have this term called be filled with the spirit. And what John is saying was, I was in the spirit. I was in the spirit. Okay, so you will see the difference. Okay, you will see the difference. The initiative is with man. Okay, if you look at Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10, KJV, we'll use KJV, okay? 1.10. And then we go to Revelation 4. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a great voice. Okay, so he is the one who has heard it. He has understood it. He has been practicing it. So there are ways how you enter. God is a spirit. Okay. So that is where, like I said, who should, that's why the word worship is important. There is only one way you can worship God. Worship God. But worship does not mean the singing part. That's a, that's a part of it. But it's basically like, like I said, um, like I think I said yesterday what worship means, right? Yesterday I said, okay, now let's, let's, let's put across this one, okay? Because people get it wrong, okay? When God says, um, in, uh, Genesis chapter 2, for this purpose man shall leave his father and mother, shall cleave to his wife, and they shall become one. Okay, one. Now it is not talking about primarily about sex. It's not talking about sex. It's not talking about sex. How does two people become one? What is the format God uses? The first thing he says, it is not good for man to be alone. The purpose of fellowship is that two people become one, or one mind, one soul. That's the purpose of fellowship. The purpose of fellowship is that two people become one, and that oneness is possible because that's why even in secular, non-other religious, you see extremely successful marriages. You have seen, you have to see some of the Hindus and Muslims because they have come together in oneness. 
Because they have a set of things and they both agree on it and they walk without much problems. Because that is a commandment which God has spoken in the beginning. This two shall become one. So that is soul. Two shall become. What is if, what is that? It is through fellowship. They converse. They go through their disagreements. They agree. They agree. They agree. They agree. And suddenly two people are walking on the same road. Without fellowship, it is not possible. Without fellowship, it is not. Fellowship is, that's why the devil always will come to try to break fellowship. Okay? So it is irrelevant which religion you are from. Fellowship brings oneness. Now, it's the same thing with God. Worship brings oneness. Worship is basically to walk with God. With due reverence to the person, the other person knowing who is. Okay, that is what means rapture. The two have become one. God took Enoch. He walked with God for 300 years and now they have become one. And God says, come with me. Okay, so this is what he's talking about. I was in the spirit. He's one with the Lord. He has over the years through all the trials and the tribulations here and he's enduring and he's enduring and he's enduring. He's coming through. The oneness is happening because he's being prepared for his time in his life where God can give the final revelation for mankind. Okay? Final revelation. So we need to understand what this is. Otherwise all the doctrine, like I said, like when, last Friday I said, right? They gathered steadfastly for the apostles' doctrine for fellowship, breaking of bread, and for prayer. You take fellowship out, nothing has any meaning. Nothing has any meaning. The whole purpose is fellowship. In the same way, in a marriage, you can have children, you can have a job, you can build a house, buy three cards, but if there is no fellowship, the marriage is dead. But the purpose of that marriage was to be the purpose of Christ's incarnation, so that you would have a bride and the two would become one. The purpose of a marriage, the purpose of that is why a marriage can be full and complete even without children. Because the purpose of the child was to bring a redeemer. That has already happened. But even without children, a marriage can be completely complete because they understand the purpose of this, that we should become one. And they, that oneness that comes between the two of them and the oneness the two have with God is un, that's what he's talking. Solomon talks about a threefold cord cannot be broken. So we need to understand purpose. And therefore fellowship is the most important part in a church. Because through godly fellowship, the church is actually becoming one and also becoming one with Christ. One with Christ. And that becomes a very powerful church because God then is able to use that church for his purposes. So that's where we have to realize. So here you will see the initiative is with the apostle. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a great voice. So the initiative is with man. But if you go to Revelation 4, 1 and 2, after this I looked and behold a door was open in heaven. The first voice which I heard was it were of a trumpet talking with me which said, Come up hither, I will show thee things which must be seen hereafter. And to immediately I was in the spirit. Now the initiative is with God. It's not with the apostle. Okay. He heard the voice and he was in the spirit. Earlier he was in the spirit and he heard the voice. Okay. Now the initiative is with God. Okay. So that's how it, that's how it works because God has given the man the free will. The man, the free will. And I'll tell you, the most difficult part is the actual part of worship. 
It's a very difficult part. Okay, because we are soulish creatures, soulish creatures. Okay, so the old covenant patterns were given because you have the outer courts, you have the holy place, and you have the most holy place. But everything happens actually in the most holy place, not in the holy place. It is the most holy place finally when you hear. Finally, when you hear, it's in the most holy place. So we have the outer courts, which is our flesh. And we have the holy place, which is our soul. And then you have the spirit. So to reach there in worship, we have to cut cut through these three. And it takes time. It takes discipline. It takes discipline. That's why nobody is able to actually just randomly walk into God's presence because they are not preparing. They are not preparing. If we prepare and suddenly we will realize we hear there. You will hear in that. That that may not be many words. Maybe just one word. Fear not. Be still. It's okay. I'm in control. But you have to reach there. You have to reach there. Okay. And that is worship. That's what God is talking about. Worship. But why does he bring truth over there? Because truth is what cuts through the flesh. The sin in the flesh and the sin in the soul is dealt with by truth. Because that was what was happening in these two places. It was a dealing with the truth. That's why spirit and truth are bought, brought both over there. So he says, he has opened us a new and a living way through the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. You are dealing with, if any man says he is without sin, he makes God a liar and there is no truth in him. No truth in him. So the Spirit is trying to take us through these two places and so that we can hear in the Spirit here. But he says, take, let me take you through this process. Okay. And, but for that to happen, we need, so here is a man. So he's showing us something. Okay. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Okay. I was in the Spirit in the Lord's day. But, okay. We have to be, like I said, we have to be very, very careful about this because today it's, see, anybody who comes with the outer body experience, everybody wants to hear. Okay, that's why we rarely speak about it because Peter himself says, your faith should on the much more because on that other realm, there is so much deception. So much deception is placed and unless we have discernment to Check that with what has been already been written. Already been written. If you go to Second Corinthians chapter 14, verses 29 to 23. Okay, because we are looking at what he is speaking. So how do we judge? First Corinthians chapter 14, 29 to 33. First Corinthians, so not second, sorry, first Corinthians. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. If anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first, yeah, it whole thing, let the first one keep silent. So there is, this is talking about the revelatory part of prophecy. This is not teaching or doctrine. Let two or three prophets speak, let the others judge. If anything is revealed, eh, you took it off, anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. Now this thing where it is a movement of the spirit happening in a spiritual congregation, the brethren church has taken it. So you have 10 people teaching 10 different things on a, 
on a Sunday. And finally, people are so confused, they don't know which teaching is which. Now, this was not talking about teaching. This was talking about prophesying. Okay? Because if anything is revealed to another who sits by, so it is not teaching. It's revelation. Okay? For all, you can all prophesy one by another that all may learn and all may be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophet. This is where we have to be careful. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Why? For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of saints. This is where one has to be very, very careful, because what is the constant criticism of the charismatic Pentecostal churches by the others? Because they said there is so much confusion. So much confusion. That's why we have to be very, that's why the, <coughs> we have to read First Corinthians chapter 14 to know how each of these gifts have to be used, how tongues have to be used, only if there is interpretation. Otherwise, it should be silent because it will bring confusion. It will bring confusion. Everywhere we have to be very, the whole idea is that there is order in God's church and uh, not confusion. We have to be very, very careful about this thing. I know what it was to be five years working among Baptists and Lutherans and Methodists and never speak in tongues in public. Never ever speak in tongues in public because I know if I spoke once, I would be out. But I kept quiet and everybody gave me free entry and at the end they asked me, the bishop asked me, what's the difference between you and us? I said, I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You don't. He said, oh, you do? You speak in tongues? I said, I do. That's the difference. It's a difference. But if I had spoken, I'm telling you, those five years, probably I would have gone to one Pentecostal church that was there. All the others would have closed their doors. Would have closed the doors. But at the end of it, everyone wanted that experience. Everybody wanted. So we have to be very careful because if you go through scripture, everything is given over there. We have to understand what these things are because this one, because that is where it all begins. How does the book of Revelation begin? The book of Revelation, the entire 22 chapters is based on one words of one man. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Therefore God is able to speak to him. So a simple deduction is if he was not in the spirit, then God could not speak to him. He was in the spirit. So what does it mean? So here it is given about what happens in these kind of situations where we have to be very, very careful. In First Kings, let us go to the other side. First Kings chapter 18, 26 to 29. So this is the demonic, okay, on Mount Carmel. They took the bull which was given on them. They prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning even till noon saying, oh Baal hear us, but there was no voice, no one answered. So they, they wouldn't be doing it unless they have heard before. They are into occult. And they, are, they know how to go into that realm here and come. But now in the, there is a competition, but there was no one, no one answered. What did they start doing? They started leaping about the altar which they had made. I'm telling you, you look into any other religion, including from the American Indians, you know, Red Indians as you used to call them, Native Indians, to anything from Buddhism to Hinduism to any, they all do this thing. The occultists, the spiritists in Africa, everyone does this. 
तो पिक्चर्स आगे वन सो गॉड सेज बी वेरी केयरफुल डोंट डू दिस थिंग्स डोंट डू दिस थिंग्स द लीप्ड अबाउट द अल्टर विच दे हैव दैट्स व्हाई गॉड इज सेइंग देयर इज नो कंफ्यूजन इन माय हाउस देयर इज ऑर्डर इवन इफ व्हेन देयर आर डांसर्स इट्स वेरी ग्रेसफुल इन द स्पिरिट इट इज नॉट लाइक दिस you come down further you will see so it was at noon elijah mocked them and said cry aloud for is a god either is meditating or is busy or is on a journey or perhaps is sleeping and must be awakened so they cried aloud and next they go to the next level they start cutting themselves because you have to offer blood okay and that will evoke the demons as you will see in every all the hidden side which they do they offer blood because when the blood comes the demons come as with knives and lances and blood gushed out on them and when midday was past they prophesied look at that word they prophesied until the time of the offerings of the evening sacrifice but there was no voice meaning this is the prophecy from the flesh with the no corresponding voice from the spiritual realm they're prophesying in the flesh so we need to understand what the bible is talking about because when we go into that realm we need to get our warnings and our teachings from scripture because scripture has shown how these two realms work they are prophesying they are prophesying in the flesh but there is no corresponding confirmation from heaven because one man god has used and have blocked that realm okay Now that is what Jesus is talking about what you bind on earth I'll be bound so where do we use these things how do we understand these patterns we understand these patterns from scripture pa- patterns from scripture because this is spiritual warfare this is spiritual okay so here is a man the god is looking at his situation he probably is around 90 years old or older maybe late 80s early 90s whatever years old he's been exiled they say they put him into a tub of boiling oil but he didn't die okay so he's he's old he's probably very weak exiled but nothing is stopping him from worshiping nothing is stopping him from entering into that realm i was in the spirit i was in the spirit and everything that he sees from there is we need to realize when you go into the spirit realm you are not bound by time you are not bound by time you are not bound by time you need to understand you are not bound by time because the spirit realm material realm has time okay go to revelation chapter 12 you know there is war in heaven then there is war they overcame him by chapter 12 and words ultimately you know the devil is thrown down to earth come to verse 12 therefore rejoice o heavens and you who dwell in them woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows he has a See as soon as he thrown down from the heavens down to he's caught in time. Now he knows he's got very short time. He knows he's got only 7 years time. Okay, that's our biggest casualty. Our biggest casualty is we are caught in time. And our time is because we all know that is why God comes and speaks to us which only makes sense to us who are caught in time. I'm the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. It is to us 
who are caught in time. Okay, so you need to realize right now the devil has not been cast onto earth. So he has no con- idea how much time he has left. But the minute he's cast down to earth, it's saying, woe to you who dwell on earth, but rejoice you who's been taken up. Dwell in heaven. You can rejoice because his realm, you are out of his clutches. You are safe. Now, but for on you on earth, it won't be like those past 6,000 years where he was troubling you from second heaven. He has come down to earth and he knows he's got exactly seven years. And that is the time God is talking about if those days were not shortened. He knows he has seven years left. Okay, seven years left. That is why they believe the rapture, the secret rapture has to take place before that. Because if it is any time after that, you can know the day and the hour. Because the Antichrist has been revealed over if it's mid-tribulation, three and a half years later. If it is um, post-tribulation, it is seven years later. And that, they say, is the second coming of Jesus Christ and not the secret coming. Second coming can be predicted to the day. Because when he begins, you know when he ends. You know how it is. Seventy weeks of Daniel, all that things you can put it. But you don't know where to begin. So when he's cast down, it begins. He knows his time. So we need to understand when you are talking about the spiritual element, what you see, you are not bound by time. You can go into the past or you can go into the future. And usually God takes them into the future. He can take them into the future. And it can happen to anybody. It can happen to anybody you know in... uh, I uh, will come to that, come that to that later. Okay, we'll come how, we will see how it works out, okay? Then, there is this other term, okay? This again, if you go to Revelation 1 and verse 10. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. The only place this term is used in the Bible is here. So there is a confusion. What does it mean on the Lord's day? This is not the day of the Lord. The construction is different, the Lord's Day. So that is where the confusion comes. Is he talking about Sunday, the first day? This term is not used in the Bible anywhere. Same kind of construction is used with the Lord's Supper. But the Lord's Day construction, as far as I have read, so it is never used anywhere else. Okay, so the confusion. So, Matthew 28, 1. Okay, you have in all four Gospels, it says, no? Now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn. So you look Mark, sorry, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, everywhere. All four Gospels says Jesus rose on the first day of the week. Okay, first day of the week. You can check it out. It's there. If you go to Acts chapter 20 and verse 7. Acts 27. On the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread. Okay, now you need to realize this. There's an everywhere you will see there's a transition that is taking place in the book of Acts from Jewish believers to the Gentiles. So there is a, you don't radically jump into something. There is a transition that is taking place in everything. Because first set of believers were all Jews or majority Jews and then the Gentiles came in. The transition is taking place. So you will see them going to the synagogues on the Sabbath day and all. And then finally shifting to the first day. 
Okay, on with the law. So this is how the first day of the week. If you go to if I'm right, First Corinthians sixteen two also. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside because you know they were paid weekly or five daily. The daily, but the church gathered on the first day of the week. That's how we take an offering on a on a Sunday. Okay, on the first day of the week. So that is and it does make it does make sense. It does make sense because Jesus rose again on the first day of the week, and when he began rose again, he became the first of the first new creation. And all those who are born again are no longer part of the old creation. In the spirit, they are part of the new creation. In the old creation, it was the seventh day. In the new creation, it is the first day. That is how the, the you say that this is the Lord's day. On the Lord's day, the Lord's supper. Okay, this is. But the problem is, when you come to Revelation one ten, is he talking about? He was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Could be true. Could be true. That he know he knows in his spirit. Maybe there's no calendar, nothing. I don't know how he knew. But in the spirit he knew this is Sunday. Okay. And he's worshipping. One man alone. Probably. They say most probably he was in a cave. And probably was on his knees worshipping. That's why he hears the voice behind him. Okay, but by the time you come to verse uh, chapter 4, he's not hearing the voice behind him. The voice is in front because he sees. Okay, so this difference is there. The other interpretation also which I accept, it is talking about eschatology. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. He is seeing eschatology, how a series of events will happen in time and it ends up with the culmination of the day of the Lord. From now what he is seeing will be end up in the day of the Lord, the day that has been prophesied from the beginning, end up with the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that is the other interpretation, not talking about a specific day as in Sunday, but it is talking prophetically or eschatologically about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. So either way, either way, and the examples are this. If you go, if you go to Genesis chapter 15, verse 5 and 6, He brought him outside and said, look now towards heaven, count the stars if you are able to number them. Actually, KJV is better because all the other translations goofs it up. Okay. He brought him forth abroad and said, look now towards heaven, tell the stars if you be able to number them. He said to them, so shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. That is when it is counted into me, righteousness. If you go to, again we know this, but let's look at Galatians 3.6 and 3.16. Even as Abraham believed God, it was accounted to him for righteousness. What does 3.16 say? Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made, he said not, not to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. Now, if you go to John chapter 8 and verse 56, this is what Jesus says. Your father, Abraham, rejoiced to see my day. Rejoiced to see my day. 
Okay. And if you, if you read Genesis chapter 15, you will see God will put Abraham to a deep sleep. And he has a vision of almost 500 years of Israel's history. He sees from there that entire John, Genesis chapter 15, beginning with him taking abroad and seeing a vision to the vision in dark space. He sees the history of his descendants going into captivity and coming out of captivity. And then even he sees all the way to the salvation of mankind by the coming of Jesus Christ. And the whole thing is called the Lord's Day. He rejoiced to see my day. Okay, he rejoiced to see my day. So Genesis 15 is completely prophetic ambitions. He's seeing Abraham, he's seeing as a father of faith. He's seeing from the captivity of Israel to the release of Israel to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He sees it all in two visions. Okay, so in the spirit, I was in the Lord's day. Okay, that's what the assumption, two assumptions, either it was on a Sunday, the first day of the week, or it was, let's go back, Revelation 1.10. Okay. The key is, when you are in the spirit, you will be reminded about that day. Like keep saying, only one day really matters. The day of the Lord, only day. It's your death or he comes, one of these two. That is the only day really, really that matters. And the second thing you hear is that I heard, I heard, I heard in the spirit. I was in the spirit. I heard behind me a loud voice as of of a trumpet. Okay, it's not a trumpet, but a loud voice as of a trumpet. And why? These are imageries that is used only they will understand. Okay, we are not used to trumpets now. Okay, now more, if it was written, my vision was given to a prophet in the 21st century, which is as loud like a speaker. But trumpets were even now actually trumpets are still used. Okay, if you go to Exodus 19.16. It came into pass on the third day in the mornings. There were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountains and the sound of trumpet was very loud. So when the law was given, actually on heaven there were sounds, on earth it was the blowing of the trumpet. You will see the year of Jubilee, Leviticus, they had to blow the trumpet, the fall of Jericho, they had to blow the trumpets. But let's go to Joel 2.1 also. 2.1, Joel 2.1. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the earth, okay, that sound an alarm, actually blow the trumpet, sound an alarm. What is the reason? For the day of the Lord is coming, for it is at hand. The day of the Lord. So you will hear, okay, you will see. If you go to First Corinthians chapter 15, 52 and First Thessalonians 4, 16, this is, they say, is connected with rapture. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. So this is talking about rapture. Okay. First Thessalonians 4.16 For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, 
with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. But if you go to Matthew 24, 31, how those who do eschatology, they break it down. He will send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet. They said, this is not rapture, this is the second coming of Jesus Christ. Okay. Where we have this 144,000 Jewish evangelists, they will evangelize during the tribulation period and millions and millions will be saved, but they will be scattered all around the world and at that trumpet blow, they will be gathered. This is not talking about rapture. This is talking about the second coming. So you will see the day of the Lord everywhere there is a trumpet. Okay, rapture there is a trumpet, second coming there is a trumpet, and in the book of Revelation you will see there are seven trumpets. And it is when the seventh trumpet which is blown, the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So in Revelation 1.10, it is not a trumpet, but like a trumpet. It's a voice like a trumpet. Okay, Isaiah 58 verse 1. Cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Okay, so it was a loud voice, okay, loud voice like a trumpet. So I heard a loud voice behind me like a trumpet. That's how it should go. And if you go to verse 11, okay, verse 11, saying, what did that voice say? Because trumpet cannot say. But the voice loud like a trumpet is saying, what is it saying? I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. So it is, it begins by the address, you know. I am the Alpha and the Omega. We had seen in verse 8, it was talking about the Father. But in verse 11, okay, I am the beginning, the Alpha and the Omega. Beginning says the Lord who is and who was and who is to come. The Almighty. It's talking about the Father, this thing. But when it comes to verse 11, it is talking about Jesus Christ. That is equal. The deity. Okay, if you come to, this is everlasting nature. Genesis 21, 33. And Abraham planted a Tamarisk tree in Beersheba and there called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God, the everlasting God. In Isaiah 57 and verse 15, okay, okay, Isaiah 57, there's 15, we know that verse very well, no? Thus says the Lord, the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity. He inhabited in eternity. See, because we are, we are caught in time. That's our major problem is we are caught in time and we are bound by time. We will not understand fully this concept about eternity. Eternity, how do you explain to people who are caught in time about a realm and a state where there is no time? There is no time there. That's what he says. He inhabits eternity. In Isaiah 44 and verse 6, that same title, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, I am the last. Now you need to realize, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel. Who is that? God. His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, that's Jesus. 
who are they both? The first and I am the last. Beside me, there is no God. Okay, the first one is God, the Father. The second one, the captain of the host is Jesus. But both of them are God. And they are the first and the last. Beside me, there is no God. That is why the, what the, what are they call it? Shema, right? Hero Israel, Shema Israel. What is that? They are one. They are one. Yeah, they are one. If you go to Isaiah 43 verse 10. Again. You are my witnesses, says the Lord, my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand. I am he. Before me there was no God formed, nor shall there be after me. See, theologians use this term called uncaused first cause. Okay, that Christ is the uncaused first cause because everything was made by him, for him, through him. He was never caused. He was there in the beginning. But he was the first cause. Uncaused first cause. Now we, we are trying to grapple with our language to understand things which cannot be described by language. Okay. So Isaiah 45 verse 21. These are all unique language that is applied to only God. Tell and bring forth your case. Yes, let them take counsel together. Who has declared this from ancient times? Who has told it from the time? Have not I, the Lord, and there is no other God beside me, a just God and a Savior, there is none beside me. Okay. So he is saying, basically saying, who has declared something, the end from the beginning? So, Old covenant saints or who came through the old covenant like John and all who are Jewish, when God was using this address, it immediately clicked to them. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. They understood. But that is their entire culture in which the Jewish God was different, completely different. Okay. So this is where it comes very authoritative. Okay. Going back to that. Okay. I am the Alpha and the Omega. Okay. You, if you go to verse 8 and then verse uh, 11. Okay. Verse 8 he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. In verse 11 he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. When you come to Revelation 22.13, all three are brought together. Okay. 22.13. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Okay. All three things, okay, which God brings. Okay. The question is, the question we need to ask is, it is twofold. I mean, like I said, the Bible is written by a father to his children. The more we grow as a child, the more we will understand what the father is saying. Okay. Like we have two little ones. They are also children. But what they understand now and what they will understand as they grow in their, what, in their sonship, let's say, we can use, cannot use the word, there's no word called childship, right? Only childish is their childship. Let us use the word son. Daughtership is not there, so we will use the neuter gender. Okay, sonship, as we grow in our sonship. So what's the whole purpose? Why is God saying that? Go to Revelation chapter 1, verse 17. And then 22, 12, and 13. 117. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. 
we need to understand why does god use these titles with us because we are always scared of our future or our past because you don't have to worry you are my child your beginning and your end is with me you don't have to fear so these are not simply things which he is saying it should have a corresponding reaction in me okay no no you know this tell people the young ones who are all fear and look at tell them no don't worry main hu na jab tak papa and ma are there and you are in the church you don't have to worry just do don't go wonky do you are covered you are covered and immediately everything changes then they are no more afraid no mom papa said papa said no if a human being can give a person that kind of confidence god comes and says i'm your beginning and your end i'm your alpha and your omega don't fear don't fear you don't have to fear okay so when these titles are used we need to realize we are not just gathering information there should be a spiritual reaction in us when god comes and says i'm the alpha and the omega i'm in the big don't fear don't fear you don't have to fear anything i've got you covered from beginning until the end i have got in isaiah he says you know usually when i pray with older people every day i used to pray over my mother from your birth to your gray hairs hoary hairs h o a r y isaiah he says i'm the one who carries you not to fear Are you afraid? because older you get you're always people get start getting afraid will i die suddenly will i fall and break will i be will i somebody be there in the last moments who will bury me fear so god says don't worry even if all the closest relationship you can have is a mother and a suckling baby is even if she abandons you i will not i am there your beginning and your end so don't fear because fear is a most crippling crippling of all that is the thing that came in first right when man fell fear came in and fear has been controlling mankind and god comes and says don't be afraid and we'll say why shouldn't i be afraid because he says i'm your a and z some total of your understanding and what you don't understand also i know don't worry and your beginning and your end you don't have to be afraid you don't have to be afraid okay so the first thing we need to understand from this when god he coming and telling john i'm the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end like the first and the last what is that okay i don't have to i don't have to worry i don't have to worry he's got me he's got me covered he's got me covered i don't have to fear the second reason what should it create in us go to revelation 22 12 and 13 12 and 13 behold i am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his why because i am the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end the first and the last first don't fear second work at the end you will stand before me and i will judge you from your beginning till your end where you began i am the author of your faith and the finisher of faith i will judge you from that moment of your spiritual birth to the last moment i will give you your reward so the second thing he says i'm alpha and the omega the beginning and the end so that we will work towards our rewards one don't fear like human beings fear calm other unsaved people fear don't fear like them because fear will make you useless on the other side now that you don't have to fear work towards your rewards work towards your rewards because oh i'm coming quickly i'm quickly and i will give you 
your reward. So that's how we have to see it. This is how we have to see it. When he uses these things, what does it mean? What does it mean? So it does not matter. I know many people even now who are listening. Their time began only in their 80s. They got only saved one or two years back. But in that one or two years back, they understood it. And of course, they go through trials and testings like never before because what they should have got in eight years, God is adding to putting them in the rigor in the two or three years or four years, how many years he gives them. And they will get their full reward because from the time, because your clock begins only when you get saved. It doesn't, the rest of it is useless. It is never counted. But let us say you get saved at 80. You only live for 84. That four years you can get your full reward. Your full reward. Something in the Bible called your full reward. There is something called your full reward. If there is full reward, there should be partial reward. Otherwise the full word, full reward does not make any meaning. Actually, we those who got saved much, much earlier <laughs> have wasted so much time. We should have used it much more profitably. But this is the two reasons he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And I am telling you, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give it to everyone according to his work. Oh, no? So don't randomly read these words because blessed is you who reads, who listens or hears and keeps. Why? I'm so going back and as we close for today, right? Revelation. No, 10 and 11. Yeah. 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 I heard and what did he say? Verse 11. Yeah. Let's have verse 11. I was in the spirit. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, and what you see, write in a book. Because he's now going to see. He's going to see and hear. He's going to see. It is not that he's just hearing. He's going to see. What you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches, which are actually, it is not in Asia. But remember those days when they meant Asia, it was much smaller because they didn't know the whole continent, the world's largest continent. This is not even Asia Minor. This whole thing is in Turkey. Whole thing is in Turkey. But we need to realize when it talks to the seven churches, which are in Asia, seven is a, a number of completeness. So it is not talking to seven churches. It is talking to all churches of all time. Otherwise, only the church in Rome should read the book of Romans. Well, the book of Romans was specifically written to the book church in Rome, but it was also written to all the churches of all time. So in the same way, these seven churches will show us the weaknesses and the strengths of churches of all time. So these are seven pastoral letters written by the Spirit of God or written by Jesus and send it. Okay, he says, write and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia to Ephesus. So these seven letters are important because it's God's coming around checking the churches. Okay, even today, these seven churches work that way. And of which only two churches escape Indictment. So if you look at chapter 2.16, Revelation 2.16, I think it's 2.16, right? Yeah, this. No, 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 not two, sorry. It's two churches are there. 2.10, 2.10. 
not 16, 2.10. 2.10 and 3.10. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. You will have tribulation 10 days. Be faithful unto 10. So for 2,000 years, there has been a set of people in every age who had to die for their faith. Every generation there was. It's not only that. Every generation people have died for their faith and they remained faithful till death. But when you come to 3, 10 and 11, it is talking about, okay, which is again through 3, 10, because you have kept my command to persevere, it also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am quickly, hold fast, what? So it is specific to the last days, but it is also true of all days. There is always churches who have been very faithful and they escaped revelation. They lived peacefully and they died peacefully. So these two things are true in all ages. Also it is specific because as we come to the end of the age, some things start taking more meaning to that generation than so. 3.10 and it says the hour of trial that is coming upon the whole earth coming upon you shall escape. So this, and to the other indictments given to the, starting with the church in Ephesus, saying that you are absolutely good, your doctrine is fantastic, your work is all, you are a loveless church. And the whole purpose was about love, and you don't have it. And this is I will. So you have to look at this seven, whether at an individual, family, church, we have to ask ourselves, which indictment fits me? Where do I need to change? Because the church is a composite body of individuals. So you have to take it down. We have to take it down personally to an individual level and read these seven letters. What is Christ saying? You know, don't saying to us, no. Saying to me. Because this is the final revelation. Write it, what you see, and send it to the seven churches. And say, Lord, where does this agree? That is where the Spirit comes. The Spirit will say, this agrees with you, this does not change here, change here. Lord, help me to work on it. Why? Because I'm coming quickly. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. So we shall pray. Let's have Peter. Slain, holy, holy is he. Mm. Sing a new song to him who sits on heaven's mercy. Seat. Oh, worthy is the Lamb who was slain.
lightning, rolls of thunder. Mm, or the golden rainbow, of fleeting color, flashes of lightning, rolls of thunder. Blessing and honor, strength and glory and power be to you, the only wise King. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Sing, hey, when all creation will sing, praise to Kings, you are our everything, and we will adore you. Oh, we'll adore you, Lord. You're worthy of the praise, Jesus. Filled with wonder, awestruck wonder. At the mention of your name, mm, yes, you're filled with wonder, awestruck wonder. At the mention of your name, Jesus' name is power, strength, and water. Such a marvelous mystery. To our King of Kings, you are our everything, and we will adore you. Lord, we'll adore you forever and ever, Lord. Oh Jesus, oh Jesus, oh Jesus, oh we will adore you. last four days be with us and when we enter into a new month Father go before us everything that we have to do oh Lord empower us empower us Lord empower us oh Lord you are our strength your buckler our shield our glory and the lifter of our head that's who you are oh Lord the Alpha the Omega the beginning and the end thank you thank you thank you May the rest of the day into the hands go with us, go before us, oh Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.